0: hello everybody and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty report. with us today is Daniel McAdams our co-host Daniel good to see you.
1: Good morning dr. Paul how are you this
0: morning? doing fine yeah ready yeah. to go ready to go come up with some brilliant solutions <laughs> <laughs> we can dream <laughs> Well the solutions are out there and we feel good that we have we can offer something about the solution. The problem is is uh, we're still not quite in the majority. And we haven't been well-received by the mainstream media or the social media. uh, But that's not unusual. There there will always be a challenge. But when we see an opening, we we go for it because I think there has been some openings and some shifting of attitudes, especially over COVID. But we have a job cut out for us for, uh, you know, for the foreign policy. But before we get into that I, I I want to uh, uh, let our viewers know about some changes we're having, and you're the expert on this thing. So t- tell our viewers what uh, what we have planned.
1: Well, Dr. Paul and, and viewers, this is a, this has been a long time coming. We've talked a lot about censorship. We've talked a lot about the difficulties of having this show. Believe it or not, Dr. Paul, since 2015, we've done a couple thousand episodes of the Ron Paul Liberty Report. Um, But over the last couple of years, we have struggled a lot with censorship, with the idea that you could be kicked off at any point. And so that's why uh, a little while ago, uh, the folks from Rumble contacted us and they said, hey, why don't you bring your live show to Rumble? We're not going to censor you. We're not going to intimidate you. We're not going to give you a hard time. Well, we thought long and hard about this because we've got our great coffee club of live chatters uh, on YouTube. Uh, But then Rumble said we can do that, too no problem we can do live chat we can do all the stuff just come on rumble live in the morning and you can even put it up later in the day on YouTube and elsewhere so here's the big announcement as of August 2nd we will be live streaming the Ron Paul Liberty report same time not same place we will be live streaming on rumble because rumble is dedicated to free speech we're grateful to the people from rumble for recognizing the effort that we put into the show and for offering us a platform to go live. And in fact, let's put up a little picture in case you don't see us on Rumble, that first, that first JPEG. Here is the Ron Paul Liberty Report on Rumble. We've already got a good subscriber base, but we need all of you to go over there as well. If you're not subscribed, if you're not on Rumble, please go over there and subscribe. Please watch the show on Rumble starting the 2nd we will make the announcement again. But Dr. Paul, I, for one, it's been kind of a nightmare having to worry about being shut down constantly. And the, the good people at Rumble, they believe in free speech. And I think it's, we've had some of, our, some of our backers say, you should just go there. Forget about it. Stop fooling around. And they're right. So as much as I hate change, <laughs> I'm happy that we're doing it.
0: But they they have been patient in negotiations because we procrastinated a little bit here and there. But uh, finally got to a point where we're comfortable with it. And I I think uh, we're not going to lose anything. We're going to add a whole lot of advantage for this. And we're going to sleep a little bit better at night that they they can't uh, take us off the air. But uh, I don't think anything is permanent and perfect forever, but uh, we'll be on our toes. But I I think this is going to be helpful to us. I'm looking forward to being with Rumble.
1: And the other benefit for Rumble is that they own locals. And so we're going to get a lot more active on the locals page mm-hmm. and we will have some uh, parts of it for free, but we'll have some backstage pass stuff for people that want to subscribe to the local page. We will give you more information on that, but it'll give us an opportunity to expand the platform a little bit, to add some more things, to add some different things on the local side. So they just gave us a great opportunity and we're really looking forward to it. So. Coffee Clatch people, don't worry, we'll still be watching you live streaming uh, starting on the 2nd on Rumble. And the good news, if you don't want to go to Rumble, I don't know why you wouldn't, but it'll be on YouTube four hours after. So there's a four-hour exclusive on Rumble. And then in the afternoon, if you'd rather go to YouTube, you can see it there as well. So Very good. And let's go to our show for today. We've got a lot to talk about. We've got our favorite transport secretary. He cares about the little guy.
0: Yes. You know, I keep thinking that there's been a lot of talk about our president and a lot of inference. They're talking about his age. That makes me really nervous. (laughs) 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 They they call him an old guy. (laughs) But I've uh, my definition of young and old uh, is different than some others. uh, So but uh, anyway, they're they're trying to get a different image and. And right now, all of a sudden, we're starting to hear more about uh, Pete Buttigieg. Uh You know, he ran for president. He did a good job. There's no doubt uh, that he can handle himself a little bit better than the president, you know, uh, in front of a microphone. But... uh, I don't think his economics is any better. One thing, about, one thing about our president, he has these weird ideas on economics, but he doesn't get them across too well, and they're so outlandish. There's even liberals who say, what are you talking about? There's even Democrats now saying, you know, maybe debt could be a problem. Yeah. Wow. But uh, I, I'll tell you what, uh, uh, Pete Buttigieg is, is uh, pretty smooth. He's intelligent. And yet, uh, I think his uh, economics are no better, no better, yeah. no, no better than, than most of the progressive liberals, Democrats, uh, and many Republicans, many Republicans. and m- most of the uh, economic professors in all our universities. That's where our problem is. Uh, but he's he's come out with a position. You, you know, we've heard Biden's position on <clears throat> on why we have inflation. And he says, well, it's all Putin's fault. (laughs) It's Putin's fault. We just uh, have to have to deal with him. And there's been a lot of excuses, uh, you know, for an explanation on why we have inflation. And when when they talk about inflation, they're talking about CPI, prices of goods and services for the average person. Uh, when, When a... Free market economists talks about inflation. They they talk about a condition whereby a central bank illegally, and morally, and unconstitutionally can arbitrarily print a lot of money and pass it off for special favors. And uh, and nobody's allowed to really explain it because uh, they they can't be blamed for anything because that would uh, that would uh, you know uh, break up the system they have here because they can get away with it. They don't want to be blamed for it. So. Uh, so he's, he's saying, you know, it doesn't matter. It's a good thing. This is you yeah. know, on, on the inflation of prices. He says, because it will force the people to accept a transition to the green energy agenda. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know that it would be that powerful to do that. That, 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 is, that is a... a Joke It's a sick joke, really. Uh, but I, 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 believe that there's a, still a lot of people uh, that are concerned, you know, about pollution and heat, heat, and yeah. all these kind of things. But uh, I do I still think they get their facts wrong. And all of a sudden, this idea, there's so many good points, and I think uh, we have one here that we'll, we'll read about that. They're fibbing when they're saying that this transition, this transition to a green energy, you know, windmills and solar. And and the facts do not conform that they could possibly do that. And, uh, matter of fact, uh, there are some who. Uh, think it you know even the effort's going to make it much worse because they're because first what they want to do is lock down and punish which Biden has done in a year and a half uh, punish the people who who has said that hydrocarbons we can live with yeah. and we're going to have trouble living without them is, is what the problem is going to be so this is this is where they are right now uh and uh he, he's he's in a leadership position uh I cannot see um, much movement in that direction, but it's propaganda for them. That propaganda is for uh, you know the green energy, and uh, if you're not loyal to that, then you're not woke, and you're in trouble because you could lose your job over that.
1: Well, here's the here's the the big thing that that he said yesterday, and let's put up this uh, this clip because this is something you know most normal people would genuinely feel sorry for a working family that sees. We put up that first clip, please that sees gas prices at five bucks a gallon, people that are on fixed incomes, people that are working. I know this, uh, the first uh, clip, not the uh, video, yeah, just the first, um, because we want to introduce it first, um, would at least has some feeling for the people. Uh, and even politicians, they would pretend that they have feelings for the average Joe. But here is the transport secretary sitting before Congress saying that the pain Americans feel at the pump is a benefit Is a good thing if you're out there and you can't pay your bills that's good we're happy about it because it's gonna force you to get 60 grand and buy an electric car right everyone's gonna go get 60,000 bucks and buy an electric car Uh, this this I mean if anything this shows what's happened to the Democratic Party uh, that once was the Democratic Party of my grandfather a blue-collar worker now has basically said forget you we don't care about you you're feeling pain that's great and in fact, we have, we have an audio visual clip of him before Congress actually saying, we like the pain. You need to feel more pain. Let's listen to it real quick, if we can. We're all experiencing from the high price of gas, the more benefit there is for those who can access electric vehicles. Of course, the more pain we are all experiencing. Yeah, we've got a double dose of Pete. But the interesting thing about this, Dr. Paul, is our good friend Thomas Messi, uh, very smart, as you know, uh, MIT. This is the guy that built his house. He even dug the rocks out of the ground to build his house. He knows what he's talking about. He did a little bit of cross examining and he said, Hey, Mr. Transport Secretary, you have any idea how much electricity it takes to charge those cars up? Of course, he didn't. He had no clue. Let's watch the exchange. This is 45 seconds of Thomas Massey talking to the transport uh, secretary. The average
0: household uses 17% of their electricity for air conditioning and um, that would mean the average household uses 1,870 kilowatt hours per year for air conditioning. If that average household plugged in electric cars, do you know how much more electricity they would use in comparison to the air conditioning, that air conditions their whole house?
1: No, but again, I would emphasize it will well, be less help you. Let me help you, me help you with that
0: first before we go on, because the numbers are important. It would take four times as much electricity to charge the average household's cars as the average household uses on air conditioning. Do you think that could be, so if
1: we read. So here it is. We all know what it's like, especially here in Texas when it gets hot. It has even, we have some rolling blackouts. We've had it in the past. You're having it across the country. Massey points out, if everyone does what you're demanding and they get these electric cars, four times as much electricity will be demanded then it's used to power the air conditioning. What's gonna to happen to the grid?
0: You know, that's with uh, what is known already, but there are some people who have included, you, you know, a little bit more calculation and it's gonna be a lot more expensive. Uh, and that is that, uh, you, know, you know, getting, if you have a battery, you spend a lot of money for this battery car, uh, that, that's one big extra expense. But then they're going, to well, well, we'll just plug it in because electricity is just there. It it's sort of through, like money. It's
1: free. <laughs> <laughs> you, just,
0: you stick the plug in and, and it just comes through your house here. You stick it in your car <laughs> and you never have to go to the gasoline and it won't <laughs> cost all that much. It's magic. <laughs> so it, it's, it's magic for them. But what, what, they, what they don't really count is I uh, listened to a lecture not too long ago talked about the battery itself. You know, charging is one thing and electricity. You still use electricity and maybe more end up using more electricity. But they, they, uh, they say that uh, uh, the battery, you, you know, is very costly to make. You know, the batteries get more and more expensive. So I don't think they're going to calculate that. Well, I guess it could be in the cost of the car. But, you know, now there's shortages and all those things. Those prices are going to go up. You know, the one thing that bothers me, which I just personally don't like, uh, is, well, he sort of gloats on it. He says, you have to suffer. You have to sacrifice, you know, to have have benefit. And. I generally believe that almost always you don't have to sacrifice this whole idea that you have to where, where it really bothers me, you have to sacrifice your liberties to be free. And I, I don't like that. So he was talking about this, that the only way you can do it is sacrifice. Well, you're going to sacrifice plenty if you go to electric cars. And uh, at the same time, uh, you're not going to you're, you're not going to get something for sacrificing. you're going to sacrifice here and you're going to lose something over here, too. And also, you,
1: you, you, about the batteries, that's a good point, and also there's a lot of environmental degradation that goes into mining the components to make those batteries. That's it's, right. It's pretty bad news. But again, you pointed out, it's not magic that goes into your cars. They burn coal to make that electricity. They burn oil and natural gas and all that stuff. They burn nuclear or whatever to make that electricity. So the idea that it's free is just a fantasy. Here's another clip uh, from the same article This is from uh, one of Biden's energy advisors, uh, Amos Hochstein. He says, We need to stop projects and limit oil usage to accelerate the transition. Well, we've seen a little bit of that transition already this year, Dr. Paul. That transition is from gas at under three bucks to gas at eight bucks in some places. This is the transition they have in mind. And I just (laughs) have a hard time, maybe I'm naive, I have a hard time understanding that the majority of the American people are going to sign on to the so-called so-called green agenda that it's going to impoverish the country. All we have to do is look what Europe's going through right now because they've been embracing it a lot harder than we have. It's going to be a cold winter for some of these people there. You,
0: you know, they say they just you have to accept the, the transition. A little little discomfort, uh, but you have to go through the transition to get over the green energy. But remember, not too long ago, they worried, uh, oh, this price inflation it's a it's a big deal but it's transitory yeah. <laughs> so i don't think they're going to do any better with using transition to green energy yeah. as they were about this transitory uh price inflation that's going on and in my estimation just really getting going i don't i don't think it's being diminished there'll be some up and down and blips in different areas but no the fundamentals are there for more price inflation because we have done such a terrible job in trying to protect the integrity of the dollar, and that has not yet been discounted.
1: Well, speaking of dumb policy, Dr. Paul, there's plenty to go around. We could probably quadruple the size of the length of the show, but let's put up this next article. We're giving a bunch of weapons to Ukraine. We're giving them longer range missiles. And so what does their deputy defense minister say? He said, hey, we've got a great idea. We're going to sink Russia's Black Sea Fleet, pledges Ukraine what could go wrong uh, and that's not all dr paul they've got something else in mind let's put on that next uh, clip actually here's a little quote from the defense uh, deputy defense minister he said they also plan to take back crimea <laughs> uh, so uh this is um interesting because they have not taken back any territory but they're going to blow up the black sea fleet they're going to start launching these 300 kilometer if they get the 300 kilometer high mars they pledge pledged to blow up the bridge across the Kerch Strait and to start attacking Crimea directly. We mentioned this on the show before, that the U.S. is kind of winking in this direction. The thing is, it doesn't matter what you think about who's in the right or who's in the wrong, because what this will do is escalate beyond anything imaginable. And in fact, Dmitry Medvedev, the former president who's now head of their National Security Council, was pretty specific in his remarks after these threats. Let's put up that next clip. Because, you know, whether you hate him or love him, he's someone who should be taken seriously. Dmitry Medvedev tells World War II veterans that any attack on Crimea will be met with a devastating response from Russia. Quote, the leadership of Ukraine will be instantly and without chance of shelter subject to Judgment Day. Uh, It's pretty frightening. The question, again, as we've been saying since February and well before that, is it really worth it for us to risk a nuclear war over who's running Ukraine?
0: My guess is that when they say these things, they don't have the plan that in six weeks from now, they're going to do it and start bombing the the Russian Navy. But it's still very, very dangerous. Some probably would would like to do that, and some of them are here in the United States that would want to do that. But just this talk is very, very dangerous because it's the talk. That uh, there, there will be a reaction. I mean, the Russians are not going to say, "Oh well, you'll never do that. We don't believe that's going to happen. We're going to just ignore that." No, they have to retaliate to satisfy their hawks in in their in their country. So they're they're going to go go along with that. But then they say, uh, "Well, what about this promise uh, that uh, the United States said? Yeah, we're going to give you these weapons, and they're a little fancier, and you can hit Crimea no problem." Uh, and somebody said well what about this uh, promise you said you said that the Ukrainians would not use it against Russia well they said, well Crimea is Ukraine yeah so yeah. Uh, they they forget about uh, history and a few other things like that but uh, this this is uh, this is ratcheting up so unnecessarily in the end of, of course some some of the uh, uh, people who uh, are cheering them on are the ones that in the old days they might have been progressives uh in the 60s they were progressives and i say war is bad yeah. and and now they're out there cheering them on go go to it and uh not realizing how dangerous this is i thought at the beginning uh, that you know this is stupid and this is dangerous But uh, I would say that compared to uh, the last month or two, I've I've gotten to the point where I think it's much more dangerous and can't be dismissed very easily. And that is why that policy should change. But I just wished I could say, you know, all we need to do is uh, change the party in power in Washington. Can Can you imagine getting enough vote changes in the U.S. Congress uh, to ch- change the spending on this militarism, you know the Republicans are, and they're going to have the Democrats. It's going to be very easy to have a coalition, and they're going to spend more money than ever. Yeah. And uh, and, and so the, the military-industrial complex. My, my guess is is they're not they're not sweating this.
1: The thing is, you can hate the idea that Russia now controls Crimea. You can think it's terrible injustice. It shouldn't happen. What have you. But the question you have to ask yourself, even if you feel this way, is this worth nuclear missiles landing in New York or Berlin or Warsaw? The answer is no. And you, you mentioned Buchanan uh, a couple of days ago, and he, his column was great. You know, he said, even in '56 with Budapest, when the tanks rolled into uh, Budapest, the Soviet tanks rolled in, we didn't risk a war for that, even when we were in the middle of an ideological struggle with communism. Czechoslovakia, '68 you know, uh, 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 Warsaw in 81, they didn't do this. So now when the stakes are so much lower, we don't have a big ideological USSR breathing down our necks.
0: Now we're gonna risk nuclear war over this little island? Well, we're at that point where we are risking it. But, uh, and I, I just wished that the sentiment in this country, we need change, we need change, we need uh, more border protection, which you can make a pretty good argument yeah. for that. There's a lot of things where it might and can be helpful, but all of a sudden, you know, you see the strength of the deep state yeah. and uh, the military industrial complex and the banking system. The Federal Reserve is always there. You, you say, well, we were. We, these dreamers that say, oh, we'll just plug our car in here yeah. and it's going to come out magic. That's the way they, that's the way they think about money. Yeah. They say, yeah. we don't need to do that. They take a plug over there and they stick it in the Federal Reserve. Yeah, Two trillion today. <laughs> and we, we have to bail out everybody. <laughs> <laughs> magic. Well, you sent
1: this next clip over, and my first thought when I saw it was, this really speaks volumes about what this whole conflict is all about. And it's all about the military-industrial complex. Let's put this up. And the people in Ukraine understand this. The defense minister, Oleksii Reznikov, uh, and let's go forward, sorry, to the next one. Uh, No, go back, you should have it. Maybe you don't, okay, you don't have it, sorry. (laughs) Um, Ukraine defense minister offers Ukraine as a testing ground for NATO weapons. I forgot, I apologize, I forgot to send this clip. This is from our friends at antiwar.com. But the defense minister said, hey, NATO, you guys wanna test some weapons? We got a big country. Bring it on. And guess where he said it? He said it in a meeting at the Atlantic Council. Well, who funds the Atlantic Council? The military industrial complex and the governments of the U.S. and other countries. So this is a military industrial complex. Ukraine seems to understand that and is very happy to serve its purpose.
0: Well, you know, their military approach, if you include Ukraine as, as part of uh, the European uh, Union group, uh that uh, they they have, <clears throat> you know, set this mess up and, and, and inviting problems and they're in danger. They're doing more to make And they're, they're the first ones to be, yeah. be, be, be destroyed will be the Ukrainians. Uh, and the, yet in uh, the Western, uh, they, it's sort of like uh, what they did with the energy. The Europeans, you you know. I always say we should criticize our government and suggest what our government do and try to participate uh, but but the Europeans you know we're bad but sometimes I, what are they think <laughs> I'm talking right now I'm in my mind I'm thinking about energy
1: yeah
0: you know and there they are going to freeze to death or burn to death or whatever but they they uh, they went along with it and they did it because uh, they listened to our military industrial complex. Yeah. I mean, they, or they say, well, we want your weapons and we want them for free and we'll be part of NATO and do what you tell us. But uh, the whole thing is, is the the outright profiteering is mer- very narrow. It's not the American citizens. It isn't like, oh, we're going to sell some money and the money's going in the Treasury and taxes are going to go down. No, it, yeah. it doesn't work <coughs> that way. They 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 uh, they, they say that. The taxes uh, will, will stay up because the people want this stuff, and they sell out. They, they just go out, and uh, that's sort of the way the argument in for 2014 yeah. when we talked about it so much. When the coup was occurring, when they uh, finally decided NATO and uh, the European bloc and the United States decided, oh, they're much too friendly with Russia. They want to continue, They want to continue. you know, uh, a, a, a system where we trade and talk to the Russians. And that's not much fun. Yeah. So <laughs> that's why they had to bring it to an end.
1: There's they, no money in that, right? Yeah. Well, you know, you mentioned they're going to freeze and they're going to roast. Well, what happened, and we haven't talked about it yet, maybe we'll talk about it tomorrow, is that the Africans went to the Europeans and said, what are you talking about? You guys might be a little bit uncomfortable in the winter. We are literally going to starve. And so that's what we've seen now. I think it's actually today, this is Wednesday, the European Union has announced that it's actually pulling back from some of its sanctions on Russia with regard to food trade. They're going to let some of Russian banks uh, trade in food because they realize how many millions are going to starve because of their boneheaded policies. But I'll just close again with a reminder, we're getting close to the deadline. Put this uh, next clip up if you can. Apply for the Ron Paul Scholar Day. You're going to have a great time upper division undergrads and grad students. I was looking through some applications yesterday, some really good, good applications. So it's gonna be a good group. Learn about foreign policy, learn about civil liberties in a way you're not gonna get in the college classroom uh, for, you know, in, with very few exceptions. And then the next one again is get your tickets. We had a few more sales, we're about halfway sold out. Get them while they're cheap, cheaper than last year. I was Dr. Paul. I went with. Uh, I went uh, over to the T-shirt store yesterday, making some T-shirts for the conference, and some T-shirt designs. And so it's exciting when you see things coming together. We're going to have some great T-shirts on sale, some other great things on sale, and we're going to have a great conference.
0: So, very good. I'm sure of that. And I know how hard you've been working on this. <laughs> but you know, uh, I I will. I, I I'm quite certain I will talk about bankruptcy, but at the, at the at the meeting but it it's going to be worked into our theme because morally there's a bankruptcy there's a financial bankruptcy going and uh that is that is where the the real problem is is we don't have the money for uh, for this, and we we continue to do it and uh and yet the people you know think that it's going to last forever, so I think we're in a great danger because of the foreign policy leading us into a situation which could turn into be something worse than we had, uh, you know, in Vietnam or even in Korea. Not, uh, so this, this hope we wake up. And that's that's the reason I think that uh, we, we shouldn't be overly optimistic because, uh, quite frankly, bipartisanship is still alive in Washington. That's why I continue to want to invite people to Be as friendly as we can because we're not going to be like the the internationalists who don't want to, you know, they want to make enemies of everybody. Because I want to talk with, you know, people who have an honest opinion and there are and and I met them along the way in Congress as well as out of Congress that have an opinion that, uh, you know, libertarians and constitutionalists on the issues we agree with why should we fight about it you know and that's that's what we need to do so that is a theme that is dear to my heart and something that we should because i don't see many other ways of accomplishing this i've never accepted the idea that one side has to sacrifice this liberty the other side sacrifices this liberty and you come together i don't like that i i think they should come together on the things they agree with so anyway i'm looking forward to the conference and uh i'll be anxious to meet as many people as possible I want to thank you for tuning in today to the Liberty Report. Please come back soon.